1: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
2: Good afternoon, greetings, thanks for coming along for the Monday edition of The Ride Home. Uh, For those of you uh, who have been wondering where our streaming has gone to, we are back up and streaming once again on Facebook. Of course you can find us so easily at wordfm.com if you have a, you know, a hankering to see what we look like today i i think i look like uh rutherford b hayes and kath looks like shakira <laughs> there's the difference there i'm rutherford b hayes <laughs> okay. she's shakira okay and that's basically
3: I, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: it's done like <laughs> yeah kath as we always do as we start off the show please uh, give us now the top four at four
3: All right, John and Mike for Monday, December 7th, number one. Today's the 79th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, where 2,403 Americans perished in the surprise attack that thrust America into World War II. USA Today has a moving profile today about Armando Chick Galala, among the last remaining Pearl Harbor survivors. You witnessed the attack on Pearl Harbor and on nearby Hickam Field, where he was stationed, but Galela insists he's no hero. The heroes, he says, quote, are the boys under the flags, the ones who didn't come home. Chick will turn 100, John, on January 1st. Wow. It's a story worth your time to read today. It's fabulous. Nice. Number two, it looks like Sweden's COVID 19 experiment is over. Mm. Hailed by many even here in the U.S. as the perfect, hands-off, freedom-first approach to the coronavirus, Sweden Sweden now has infections growing exponentially and hospital wards filling up. According to the Wall Street Journal, Prime Minister Stefan Lovgren pleaded with Swedes in a televised news conference to cancel all non-essential meetings and announced a ban on gatherings of more than eight people, which triggered the closure of cinemas and other entertainment venues. Starting Monday, high schools in Sweden Closed. After a late autumn surge in infections leading to rising hospitalizations and deaths, the government has abandoned its attempt, unique among Western nations, to combat the pandemic through voluntary measures. Quote, We like to think of ourselves as being very rational and pragmatic, said Lars Komfors, an economist and member of the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences. Quote, Yet for months, authorities persisted in their approach, despite mounting evidence that it was failing. I can't recognize my own country anymore. And number three, according to today's trip, two Port Authority bus drivers here in Pittsburgh have died from COVID 19. A 57 year old driver tested positive for the virus on Friday and died two days later, spokesman Adam Brandolf said. He worked out of the East Liberty garage and had worked for the Port Authority for 21 years. The other driver, 34 years of age, had worked for the authority for seven years, most recently in the Collier bus garage, Randolph said. His family told officials he tested positive for the virus November 25th and died Monday. Today, said Port Authority CEO Catherine Kelman, our hearts are broken. And number four, John, Mike, I guess we shouldn't be surprised anymore when we get the feeling we're living in an alternate universe, but... The Steelers playing the Washington football team today at five is still surreal. Looks like kicker Chris Boswell has some kind of hip problem. So Matthew Wright has been elevated from the practice squad. Mari's Pouncey is still on the COVID-19 list. So J.C. Hassenauer will be at center. And James Conner also still unable to play due to COVID. So Benny Snell starting at running back. And that is your top four at four.
2: Very nice. Here we go. Steelers, here we go. I mean, it is shocking and very sad about the Port Authority. Oh, bus my drivers gosh. Kept. I mean, you think Someone. about people in tight spaces that those yeah. men are, you know, doing eight or 10 hour shifts every day. And, uh, you know, I, I can imagine the buses, I know some it. people are wearing masks, some people aren't wearing masks. And Boy, I mean, two two bus drivers announced today from Port Authority have passed away from COVID. That is, uh, it's not still shocking, but I guess I would say not surprising. So God, oh, be good, those, so sad. Fifty
3: mm-hmm. seven year old and a thirty four year old.
2: Holy Ugh. smokes! All right. So is, uh, is your DVR set for today's Steeler game? Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. But really, John, why?
2: <laughs> I Maybe mean, this is la- it.
3: last week it was Wednesday at three forty that right. I had my v, my DVR set to. So I guess this is one step better, but really not that much.
2: No, I mean, it could be worse. It could be like, you know, 4 a.m. Central time or something like that. And of course, you it wouldn't put it past the NFL.
3: Listen, I was so hacked off yesterday that there wasn't a Steeler game that I was like personally boycotting the NFL. I just had a bad attitude about it.
2: Oh, really? I, I watched um, I watched some of the uh, Redskins game. I was mad. Did, did no, you not, not watch the Red Redskins? Football?
3: Not the Redskins game because they're playing tonight.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Um, mm. What did I watch?
3: Kansas City, Denver. Well, Kansas I bet you watched. City, that's what I yeah, watched. Cause they have yeah. the same colors.
2: Yeah. Yeah, right. That's what I watched. <laughs> <laughs> that always happens. I, want, I know. It's a, another football. one
3: of those red and yellow teams. Which one is that?
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Mike, Are you that, tuning too. in? Are You tuning in today to the uh, live stream?
4: Yes, I am. Actually, I am. I'm right here. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Go Steelers. Oh, look, there's Mike. Here I am. No,
2: we don't want. Don't give us any updates as the show goes I on. I will
4: not. Mike. I promise you, I will not. No okay. updates.
2: We're good because you know we want to be surprised at the end. Are the Steelers expected to win?
3: Oh, for sure! Absolutely! Oh yeah, the Redskins—they don't—they're not the Redskins anymore. But the Washington football team has a losing record.
2: Okay. What it be P.C.
4: Right.
3: Kath? Thank job. you. Do you see how I did that? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Gosh, all of a sudden things are coming out of my computer. I got sounds here, there, and everywhere. If you'd like to watch what's happening between (laughs) my spare room, John's spare room, and Mike in the studio, you can log on right now to Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, where we are streaming live, or also at 101.5 Word FM.
2: People are curious. Kath looks like Tina Fey today. I look like Robert (laughs) Plant. Take a break. Come back. We're going to go to the White House, as we always do, Uh, Monday with Greg Clugston. Rudy Giuliani has COVID. We'll get an update about that and much more. Stick around.
4: 101.5 WORD.
1: In Sunday schools, every week, children are
5: taught and taught and taught again the fundamentals of Christianity such a vital exercise for young minds. But you know, even veteran Christians can benefit from a review
1: of the fundamentals of Christian living. That's the thought behind John MacArthur's study this week. Join him as he takes you back to basics on Grace To You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD.
3: For those of us who are healthy, it's hard to imagine what it's like to be chronically sick. If you're over 50, you may be fine today, but tomorrow, different story. Chronic illness can literally claim your financial world overnight and suddenly you're tens of thousands in debt, mailbox overflowing with bills, notifications, warnings, and you think Obamacare will help you sort it out. Good luck getting someone even to talk to. This is Kathy Emmons, and my friends at Marley Financial have a better solution. It's their non-Obamacare pro-life health plan. It gives you the power of a national PPO instantaneously, savings of 30 to 60% off Obamacare for those over 50, no funding for abortion, and always someone to help you. Call 724-884-1496. One client recently in the hospital for 11 days for a bowel obstruction. The hospital billed him over $56,000. Marley Financial's non-Obamacare plan paid the entire claim and put $7,000 in his pocket. There's no other plan like it anywhere, and you can get it now. Call 724-884-1496 or visit marleyfg.com.
6: At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at edenchristianacademy.org.
7: Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing, and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Send
0: wishes of joy and love to those on your mind and heart this season with free online cards at CrossCards.com. It only takes a minute to personalize and send a CrossCards.com e-card that will brighten the holiday season for family and friends. From scripture-inspired cards to heartfelt messages, even party invitations, CrossCards.com makes it easy to let others know you're thinking about them this Christmas. Celebrate the most wonderful time of the year with free cards at CrossCards.com.
2: White House correspondent. Greg, welcome back. Happy Monday to you. A very busy weekend for you, Greg. You were in Georgia with the president on Saturday, weren't you?
5: I was. Hi, John. Hi, Kathy. Yeah, we... We, we fired up Air Force One again, and uh, we climbed back on. It was the, it was the president's first rally since um, – and I had been on his – on the last, you know, two days of rallies right before Election Day. So we had had a month in between, and uh, it was a little bit of a time warp because – it was all the trappings and everything of the event in Georgia were much were exactly like uh, they were during the campaign. It was, of Is course, it was right? a month after the election. So it was a little surreal in that way.
3: Wow. OK, so tell us about the turnout there. Tell us about what was the what was the feel of the event?
5: Well, it was very similar, uh, as I mentioned, to past campaign events, a very excited, uh, large crowd. It was at a regional airport in Valdosta, Georgia, which is uh, southern Georgia. I mean, it's only 17, 18 miles north of the Florida border. So um, that's where it was located in the state. Uh, Very active and responsive crowd. And, of course, um, the president was there in Georgia because of the upcoming Senate runoff elections with two Republican incumbents who are trying to win reelection, mm-hmm. Senator David Perdue, Senator Kelly Loeffler. And so they have these races coming on the 5th of January. So the president was there to endorse them and to you know, generate excitement and support and get out the vote efforts on their behalf. But as we all expected he would, the president also talked about the presidential race and his uh, his belief that he won Georgia and several other states and therefore won the election. So he, he spent a good deal of time as well talking about his own legal challenges uh, in the fight against Joe Biden. So it was a very interesting thing because there were a lot of Republican Party officials, to be honest, who were – who were unsure about what to uh, to make of the president's visit there, because on one hand the president was complaining about irregularities in voting and fraud and the Dominion voting machines not working correctly, yet at the same time he's turning right around and asking voters to say, uh, even though there was that problem, we still need you to get out and vote. So it was kind of a it's kind of a very interesting message that he delivered.
2: Interesting. So, Greg, at these events and at the event on Saturday specifically, the president obviously is the headliner, but there are there opening acts or other people, you know, in and around the event who are, you know, speaking as well?
5: Yeah, um, I presume there are. Of course, we're we're in the air flying to the event and we typically land Mm -hmm. just a few minutes before the president gets introduced. But um, in this case, on Saturday, Senators Purdue and Loeffler did take the stage, and they each uh, were addressing the crowd. There may have been some other officials as well, but they certainly, they were on stage before we got there. And then during the actual event, the president brought them back up for, uh, for brief comments while he was there on stage with them.
3: Mm, okay. So it's going to be interesting to see whether uh, Georgia voters will kind of, I don't know, let the Georgia Republican Party have it both ways. I mean, you can't complain about how the presidential race was carried out and say that the elections are fake, or the uh, the result is, is fake, while also encouraging people to get out and vote for their Republican senators.
5: Yeah. And the president has been very, uh, very harsh on the Republican officials um, in the state, primarily the governor, Brian Kemp, as well as Lieutenant Governor Duncan, also the Secretary of State, they are all Republicans, and he has been hitting them hard on Twitter. He hit them hard during his speech while in georgia <laughs> and so it's like i mentioned it's it's a really interesting combination of 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 the President fighting uh, the election from the presidential standpoint, but at the same time urging participation from Georgia Republicans on the state level when it comes to this Senate runoff. And so um, the, the other thing that happened on Saturday prior to the president leaving the White House before flying down to Valdosta, Georgia, is he got on the phone and called the governor, Brian Kemp, and, and was urging him in a phone call to call a special session of the state legislature, and essentially, what the president was wanting the governor, the Republican governor, to do was to decertify, have the have the uh, the lawmakers in the state decertify the win for Joe Biden and appoint new electors that would vote for Trump when the Electoral College votes next week. But uh, the governor said no.
2: So Greg, the uh, runoff uh, is held when. And important why
5: yes uh, that's a good point we sort of uh, are are not really discussing up front the the importance of this and and that's one reason why you've got the president of the United States going down there to make the case John and that is the uh, control of the Senate the US Senate in Congress is at stake because uh, you've got these two runoffs and the Republicans need to win at least one of the two in order to retain Republican control of the Senate. If the Democrats win both, there will be a tie in the Senate, and um, with a with a Biden administration, you would have the Vice President Kamala Harris be able to cast the tie-breaking vote. And so that's why it's important. So really, control of the Senate is uh, is at stake here. Yeah. The actual the actual runoff elections are on the 5th of January. Although there is going to be early voting in January. Er, I'm sorry, early voting in Georgia starting next week.
3: And that's why it's a big risk for the Republicans as well, you know, sure. Georgia Republicans and Republicans across the nation. Right. Thinking, OK, how much do we want to push the, the presidential election results when we've got the Senate hanging in the balance?
5: Right. So that's been sort of a conundrum for uh, for a lot of Republicans. And it and was especially the case, you know, ahead of time. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been pointed out by any number of people that when you have a runoff election, chances are, uh, you know, people's minds are already made up. It's going mm-hmm. to be really getting out the vote effort here. And what will be interesting going forward now is to see if the president will make a return trip to Georgia uh, before the fifth of January.
2: See, and so this get out the vote. I mean, is it uh, like the presidential election—a mail-in paper ballot, or is it go to the
8: polls?
5: Well, it's uh, they have early they have early voting starting um, as I mentioned next week. And, I, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know if it's a combination of, of the mail-in vote or early in-person, but certainly it's in-person on, on the 5th of January. I
2: see. We're speaking with Greg Clugston. Greg Clugston is SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, uh, let's move forward and talk about Congress, and uh, there is a, of, of, a lot of talk now about a new stimulus bill and good odds that something will be passed shortly.
5: Yeah, there's been – at the end of last week, there was some real momentum, it seemed as if, and and the president was saying that he would support what they were talking about. Uh, there was a discussion of a $900 billion relief bill um, – and of course, that's a lot smaller than what Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats have been pushing for all through the summer and, and, and into the fall. But now this $908 billion number seems to be um, something that both parties are, are working on.
3: <laughs> Isn't yeah. politics funny, Greg, huh?
5: Well it is, but the other thing is, and it's maybe not so funny, is that over the weekend as they were really getting down to talking more details, um, there was no or very little progress and so now um, today it's it's unsure exactly what's going to happen of course you you guys we always talk about this every every December and it's it's much like you know cramming for a, a college final right is that uh, you've got a deadline coming up and there's procrastination and then all of a sudden you're hit with that uh, with that deadline Friday is the deadline for the uh, the budget uh, for for 2021 for the federal government budget which was already delayed and uh, so now it looks as if they're going to delay um, it again by at least one week so they're going to pass a temporary spending measure probably this week before friday to give them another week to deal Mm -hmm. with it which would then get them just one week before christmas and it seems like this this scenario plays out repeatedly year after year
2: interesting so greg when you said we talked about this every december i was thinking for a moment you were going to unveil your uh, christmas poem
5: hey uh not today and not next week but um um, two weeks from today um if that works with your schedule that will be the release date and (laughs) the the poem is uh it's underway it's it's uh it's a work still in progress and lots (laughs) to talk about obviously there's In fact, it's it's one of these years where there's uh, there's too much information almost for this kind of uh, format. So I
3: don't so I don't need to ask you, Greg, where will you come up with the material?
2: (laughs) (laughs)
5: No, no, (laughs) no, you don't. You could, but it wouldn't be necessary. Yes. Yes, yes, yes.
3: Greg Clugston, with us, SRN News White House correspondent. All right. Let's fast forward to uh, the inauguration, which will happen in the early part of 2021. What is the president saying about being there or no?
5: Yeah, we we don't know for certain. Uh, There has been uh, some reporting going on, um, even just today, but over the last uh, number of days, the last couple of weeks, but especially in the last few days, that has suggested that the president may not want, may not attend the inaugural, the inauguration, or the other uh, events related to the inauguration, including an invitation um, to Joe Biden to to visit with him at the White House. Um, Obviously, the president and the White House are not specifically stating what's going to happen there because they're waiting until they have exhausted all all of their legal challenges. And there was another setback today in Michigan with a federal judge there, a U.S. district court judge um, rejecting an effort to decertify Joe Biden's win in in Michigan. So we've seen these, uh, these legal losses being stacked up by the trump team but there's this there's this also this uh, idea and apparently the president has been talking to people including at a couple of uh, holiday uh, christmas receptions at the white house telling supporters that he's thinking about possibly running in 2024 if his legal challenges don't pan out this year and so that leaves open the idea that uh, and this is some of the reporting that's going on that the president may want to either right before the inauguration or even on inauguration day announce his, his candidacy for 2024. And so that is uh, you know, a whole scenario that we've never really seen before with a with an outgoing president. If that's the, if that's the pattern that happens, very
2: interesting. Okay, Greg, uh, let's talk about the president and his personal lawyer. Of course, the president himself had suffered through a bout of COVID. Now, uh, word is that Rudy Giuliani, the president's counsel, has been hospitalized with COVID.
5: Right. The president tweeted out the news yesterday that Rudy Giuliani uh, tested positive for COVID uh, in the hospital, although earlier today at a a White House event, uh, the president was asked about how Giuliani was doing, and he said he's doing very well. He doesn't have a fever Um, And, you know, he said that he's wishing him a speedy recovery. Of course, Giuliani has been one of the key people out front for the Trump campaign and for the president himself when it comes to these legal challenges. So he's he's been traveling the country these last four weeks, going to battleground states, holding press conferences and uh, attending hearings with Republican officials as they have pushed forward on on um on their their concerns about voting fraud in in those key states where they felt like there was enough chance to uh, mm-hmm. to overturn the election results in those states they would then overturn the overall presidential contest but that hasn't happened
3: mm-hmm. Well, our very best to Rudy Giuliani and every single person who's fighting against COVID nineteen in uh, any home or hospital around here—that is for sure. Um, yeah. Greg, talk about the um, talk about the end of the year. I mean, is this is is Washington kind of breathing a sigh of relief that you know COVID wise, you know we're we're you know still moving forward in some way. Government wise, is there a sense of fear? Is there a sense of anxiety? What what what's your what's your read on what's going on inside the
9: Beltway?
5: Yeah, I, I do think there is concern. Um, I wouldn't say relief, although I mean the, the the one bit of hope, obviously, and we've talked about this the last few weeks, is the you know the development of these vaccines, which are getting very close now uh, to to uh, likely getting government approval and authorization for distribution. And when that happens, um, there will be you know obviously a, a sense that hey, we've uh, we've 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 hit an important mile stone here in in fighting this pandemic. In fact, the White House tomorrow is going to be holding a summit um, and pharmaceutical companies and and, uh, other researchers and things are going to be there, and there's going to be a discussion about these next steps as the United States is preparing for distribution of the vaccine. So I I think there is obviously optimism um, surrounding the vaccine, but then when you really look at what's involved in vaccinating a country of our size, It is an enormous task and it's going to take months and months and months um, to get enough vaccine doses, you know, manufactured, delivered and distributed um, to those who want it. So while obviously frontline people are going to be getting it, um, elderly Americans who are in rest homes and, and, and care providers. Um, as they should be first in line. It's going to take longer, obviously, for the rest of us. So I'd say it's a mixed bag, Kathy. There's optimism, but also a realization that with the, the surging cases that we continue to see across the country, that it's still a very real problem.
2: Right. So I wonder. I mean, everyone's been talking about the line, the queue that forms. Sure. Uh, what what happened? I think Greg has there been conversation about the White House and you know the White House people, the staff, and all that, and perhaps the press as well. Right? I mean, there you are. You're amongst the halls of power. Have, you, have any word about that?
5: Nothing. Nothing de- um, definitive or specific yet, John. And that's interesting because. Um, Every time that we travel with the president or if you're on a pool duty assignment, meaning that you're in that tighter small group of reporters that has uh, in room access with the president on any given day or the vice president, for that matter, uh, for that matter, we are given um, COVID tests by the White House. And so um, in some sense, it would seem if you're protecting and wanting to continue to protect the president and the vice president and top senior White House officials, that if there's interaction with the press corps you could make an argument that that you, you could move in that direction of either vaccination but um, you could also discontinue the testing process um, for us so we, we really don't know exactly how that's going to, uh, to work out for us and um, okay. yeah, you know, we we have questions about that, but obviously there are people that are even in certainly more frontline situations—nurses, doctors, healthcare workers, uh, retirement home, nursing home uh, individuals—that uh, will be at the top of the list.
2: Yes. But there you are, Greg. I mean, obviously you're very close to the president. I mean, there you are traveling with him on Saturday. Just before you leave us. So as you travel, you know, the working press with the president, there's the president and his entourage on Air Force One and directly behind him is the working press. So I I would imagine that it's probably pretty common for the press as you're with the president. You yourself are probably, you know, feted for a lunch. Do you have filet mignon or something similar to that as you're with the president?
5: Uh, we had a, we had a uh, chicken and rice power bowl. We didn't have any filet mignon, but, uh, mm -hmm. they, 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 you know, they, 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 they treat us well on the airplane. The Air Force, um, staff on Air Air Force One are, they are outstanding. Um, but you know, there, there are these concerns because, you know, we're masked up as we're on the plane and still the president and a lot of. a lot of his team do not wear masks, and so that's that. That is a concern for uh, for a lot of us uh, in the press corps, and obviously you've got Secret Service agents and other officials also that travel uh, during this time. So uh, it's always an honor and a privilege to be able to have the opportunity to to travel and and report on the president that way. And um, I'll, I'll I'll see if they have filet mignon next time. I, I'm I'm not counting <laughs> on it, but it sounds awfully good.
2: You know, oh, if
3: you uh, came to our house, you'd have it.
2: Oh, of course you would. Yeah. Well, we, thank we'd you, wear a mask thank as you well. for the invitation.
3: <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I don't know how I got myself into this, but I might have to
2: back out. Anyway, no. it's
3: Greg Clugston, <laughs> SRN News White House correspondent. Thank you, Greg.
5: You're so welcome. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Always a pleasure. We need to step away. and When we come back, we're going to talk about Bill Murray in the book of Job. Hey, just a reminder, we're streaming live, wordfm.com. We're on Facebook, The ride Home with John and Kathy. You can see what we look like. Kathy today looks a little bit like Dolly Parton, and I kind of look like Pee Wee Herman. Let's
4: say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills, but let's say you've got the skills, and I offer you an advantage, a special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is, you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan, I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We. Our United Faith Mortgage.
10: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. Twenty Five Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing
2: information, go to Animalist Consumer Access.org. Corporate animalist number thirteen thirty five. Record animalist number six five two three three. Equal housing lender. Licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everybody get the best sleep of their lives. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream Bed Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, and that's the whole point, right? Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Now, we know MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, but MyPillow has just announced that they are extending their 60-day money-back guarantee. That's right. Orders placed between now and December 25th will have the 60-day money-back guarantee extended through March 1st, 2021. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Call 1-800-391-0954. Promo code is WORD. That's one 800 or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code WORD get the best night's sleep of your life.
7: Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, President of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in Heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. With thousands
6: of locally owned Napa stores across the nation, chances are that wherever you call home, they do too. So whether you stop by a local Napa Auto Parts store, Napa Auto Care Center, or visit Napa online, you can count on Napa know-how.
4: We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, In, and at radio.com.
1: We'll see plenty of clouds for tonight with a couple of flurries. Expect a low tonight of 28. Tomorrow, times of clouds and sunshine. Tomorrow will reach a high of 36. Tomorrow night will be overcast. Tomorrow night we'll see a low of 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy skies. Expect a high Wednesday of 41. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
2: Knox County, Ohio is a rural uh, section of Ohio, but right in the middle of uh, Knox County is Kenyon College, which is a very deeply liberal bastion. Now uh, within Kenyon College, there's a a fixture there. It's called the Theater of War Productions. It's a theater company. And so of course, like all um, COVID uh, events, everything's canceled, but theater of war has been going online and somehow through their connections with Kenyan college, they've been able to attract high profile actors to do very unusual performances. Mm -hmm. Now, yesterday, I'm sorry, we missed this yesterday. uh, Bill Murray, of course, Bill Murray needs no introduction. Bill Murray performed Job uh, in the reading from the book of Job, which was produced into a theatrical event. And it included uh, David Strayhorn, of course, you know, you might know that name. You may not know the name, but if you saw the picture of the actor, he's an A-list Hollywood actor and has been so for a couple of decades. Along with the mayor of uh, the uh, Knox County, uh, Ohio, they performed this unusual production of the Book of Job. Now, uh, it's uh, able to you're able to see this right now because it's the part of the archives. And uh, the hope was that they would have these two very polarized communities, The, of course, rural conservative community, and then, of course, within that rural conservative community, the very liberal college. They would come together over the streaming and do perform, Bill Murray did, Job from the Book of Job. And then after the uh, presentation, two sides came together and they had a town hall size meeting. No word how that worked or what the results were, but the hope was that the dialogue would tear down some animosity, some acrimony that's happened since the election. I think it's a pretty interesting thing. And kudos. Everybody, of course, worked gratis. Bill Murray just said, I'm going to show up and work for free in the hopes that, you know, they find something interesting and the people will be drawn to the production. So the book of Job uh, somehow dr- dramatized. Very well done.
3: Wow. So there was no one there who was giving any
2: uh, his... biblical narrative. Yeah.
3: No. no. Okay.
2: There was not. Although <laughs> there, there was a pastor in the play. Now, of course, the, I'm reading from an, an article from the Associated Press, which uh, came out yesterday morning. So this was before the event. No follow up today about the event itself.
3: Okay. It just would have, you know, it's one of those things that you kind of compare it to other faith traditions. You know, if there was a, I don't know, if there was a reading from the Quran or something, I I think they would probably have an imam there who would like explain what it is that you're hearing.
2: What you're waiting into.
3: Right. So, and I I mean, I think there's something valuable about the fact that scripture can stand on its own. I think that that's important. I also think it's helpful just to consult experts on whatever field you're investigating. So.
10: A
9: little
3: but bit uh, of a lost opportunity, maybe, but maybe, you know, they didn't want my opinion since they didn't ask me to be on the steering committee.
2: Well, to be honest, I just found out about this this morning and uh, went to the Theater of War website and, and did not pay. You know, it's a, it's a pay event right now. So I did Got not it. be able, was never able to view that, but I wanted to go check it out and see what exactly mm-hmm. the presentation was like.
3: Yeah, well, it certainly is an interesting idea. Mm-hmm,
2: All right, awesome.
3: speaking of interesting ideas, we are streaming live on Facebook. And you can mm. see us. You can watch the show unfold from John's spare room and my spare room, Mike, holding everything down in the Word FM studios. We're going to take a break. When we come back, here's what we're going to talk about. Why nihilism, why sunny nihilism isn't a logical option? You
4: sunny, John?
2: It's like a piece of meat.
4: 101.5 101.5 WORD.
10: Ahead on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll talks about honoring God and our occupations.
8: If in fact you spend eight to nine-tenths of your life at the office or in the car doing your work, surely God's Word has something to say about it.
1: And indeed it does. Study the Bible with Chuck Swindoll Monday through Friday on Insight for Living.
4: Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. When I go to the mall and those nice people at the kiosk in the middle try to sell me their product, I'm the guy just jetting on by. I'm not rude, but my head is down and my brain is not interested. And yet today, I'm the guy trying to grab your attention. December is a busy month. A month easy to just look down and think about Rudolph and ugly sweaters. But at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we've also learned it's a very popular time for people to think refinance or cash out refinance. The new year is next, and it often brings leftover bills or the desire to start the year fresh and finally use some home equity to do that dream special project. If you're curious about what that would look like for you, we think you'll see that we're a team committed to Word FM, a team that despises even an ounce of pressure, and a team that's set up to move fast and stress-free. We our United Faith Mortgage.
11: We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money.
4: United
2: Mortgage Court,
10: Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672.
7: Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season.
6: To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching and elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams. Just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS. Study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. Is the cost of finishing the basement worth the benefit of some peace and quiet when questions find you merrill ledge self-directed investing can help you find answers with personalized planning tools and insights to help you get where you want to go even if it's just downstairs merrill a bank of america company visit merrill slash within reach to get started today investing involves risk merrill lynch pierce veteran smith incorporated registered broker dealer member sipc investment products are not fdic insured are not bank guaranteed and may lose value
2: What is nihilism? What is a nihilist worldview? Of all the topics we've talked about over the many years, it's rare that we've delved into nihilism. We
3: haven't talked a lot, of, not a lot, not a, a lot of nihilism here. On the no,
2: room. Melissa McKay with us. Melissa is a staff on staff with the City Ministry of Crew. She directs Faith and Work Chicago in partnership with Holy Trinity Church. She wrote a really interesting piece at the Gospel Coalition. Why sunny nihilism isn't a logical option. Melissa, welcome to the show.
11: Hi, thank you for having me.
3: Sure, Melissa. All right, before we talk about sunny nihilism, let's just talk about nihilism. Why don't you define it for us?
11: Um, That's a great question. I I, really, it's kind of a a broad category of different philosophical ideas, um, but it really has to do with uh, with this idea that the world doesn't have purpose or meaning that there's no truth or value that we can get at. It, it comes a lot from Nietzsche. He's kind of uh, known often as the, the sort of father of nihilism. Um, but it expresses itself in different ways. But I think ultimately it's, it's this idea that there is no, we can't get at a um, objective, you know, purpose or truth. And so therefore really life is, is meaningless um, there, you know, we can't know truth, Um there's there's never it's, facts that we can just hold on to.
2: Yeah. So everything's useless. There is no meaning or or purpose to life. Everything just kind of blah, which is really an excellent topic for a Monday afternoon. Uh, right. So, <laughs> Melissa, talk to us. I mean, you saw a piece a uh, Wendy Seifert. She's an Australian freelance writer, and she wrote about sunny nihilism, which you talk about. Seems to be at odds.
11: Yeah, you know, I I think I was, I, honestly, I was really saddened by the piece that she wrote, um, because what, what she really said was, you know, she said, uh, one day I'll be dead and no one will rem- remember me anyway. And she said at, at some point she just had this realization, well, I'm, I'm a chunk of meat hurtling through space on a rock. Uh, and, and then she says that it was one of the most comforting revelations of her life. And she said wow. she discovered nihilism and for her then she kind of went on to explore that a little bit more and said you know actually this seems to um this seems to encapsulate you know what i see in in our generation um you know this idea that uh, uh you know she said she was co- chronically stressed she was overworked and then she said it kind of hit her who cares one day i'll be dead it, it doesn't matter anyway and wow that's kind of a refreshing thought um and then she goes on to paint a picture of of sort of a, a generation that's uh, just embraced the idea of well, the life is meaningless, and so I might as well do what I want, basically, is what it comes down to. Yeah.
3: Well, there are all sorts of examples of nihilism, especially at a time like this, Melissa, that are all around us. Before you came on the air, I was just talking with uh, John about the Netflix series Dark that i 've been watching, and that 's basically the summation of what it is it 's just trying mm-hmm. to you know ec- explore the nihilistic viewpoint um, kind of the nihilistic worldview and what implications that would have on how you look at marriage or children or past or future and of course there 's all sorts of other sci fi things that are mixed in with it, but the thing that you know i 've observed um, in watching the show, and especially because it 's from a German perspective, you know the home of um, of of Nietzsche um, that this is something that's kind of built into their DNA. And of course we've inherited that in the West. Um, talk Mm -hmm. about how you see, have you seen places, um, like I've seen in dark where, you know, nihilism is in popular culture.
11: That's a great question. Uh, I, I think it, boy, it comes out in, in, you know, many different ways, but just the, the concept that, um, that really I can make meaning for myself, or that I need to to make or or find meaning. You know whether it's inside of myself. I think that's a way that it comes out a lot. One um, of uh, we we laugh sometimes, but um, but even the the Disney uh, you know concept that seems to flow throughout a lot of the Disney stories that. Once I look inside myself, if you think of Moana mm, sure. or something, you know, that that's where sure. that's where I'll understand my true self or my true purpose. I, I have to find it and locate it, um, you know, wherever one ends up doing that, whether it's in material things or, or inside themselves. But but I think that's a very popular concept in, in our culture right now.
2: Right. Okay. So, I um, mean, you would imagine the people who were – Perhaps imprisoned in concentration camps during World War II, that'd be easy to fall into a nihilistic attitude. It'd be hard to have a, a sunny attitude, and, and not to draw the parallels between concentration camps and what's happening, you know, in the world today. But you would understand why people would sort of succumb to that. They would just surrender to all is hopeless, all is lost. Which, you know gives credence to the fact that, thank God, that we know the truth of Jesus Christ in our lives. I mean, without Christ, it would certainly be, you know, yeah, I'm I'm going to fall into that, and there's no purpose, there's no meaning, so let's just get on with it. And then when I die, I'm dead, and that's that.
11: Right. I, I think what's interesting, what um, maybe uh, the, the article that I read suggests or what other people should quote suggests is that instead of sort of despair, um, what what they've chosen instead is to say, well, I'll just make meaning for myself. And that's really the contradiction. And that's really the logical fallacy, That this isn't, this worldview isn't really nihilism. Um, it's it's more, it's not rejecting the idea that there's any purpose or meaning. It, it's just deciding, well, I'm, it's not given to me by something else. It, I'm going to make meaning for myself. Sure. So I think that's right. where even, you know, as she talks about sunny nihilism, it's, um, it's not really a, a denial of, of purpose. It's a, I'll just make it what I want it to be.
3: Sure. Okay, so that's basic, you know, for, for all the uh, criticisms about who is anti-science and who isn't anti-science. I mean, I would say that's kind of, I mean, not, it's antithetical to a rational viewpoint to have a sunny nihilism.
11: Right, <laughs> right.
2: So then, talk about Leslie Newbegin, who tells the story about a person watching a building project. Because I think that something sums things up very nicely.
11: Yeah, I think that is a really helpful story. So, you know, so I think in, in this question of purpose and meaning, what's really happening is is we're saying, or, or the culture is saying. You know, I, I, I can't seem to find meaning or purpose. I, I'm trying to find it in my job. I'm trying to find it in relationship. I'm, I'm looking inside myself and I, I don't know what it is. And there, there's sort of an overwhelm overwhelmingness to that. Um, and so and so but it stops there because there's there's no credence given to the fact that maybe maybe if we can't find purpose, here or in ourselves, it, it comes from outside of ourselves. So Newbigin tells a story um, saying, you know, that there's this, uh, this uh, person who's walking along and, um, and sees a building project and sort of wonders, what, what will it become? Um, and he suggests there's two ways of knowing that it would come. One is to wait until the project is finished and then stand there and make observations and, and to know then what the purpose of the building was for. So the other way is to ask the person who's building it, to, to find the architect or the builder and, and ask, what is the ultimate end of this project that I can't see? And then once you do that, though, you have to accept the fact that the, the architect is telling you the truth. And so it's, it's a matter of faith. And so we see that obviously reflected then in we, when we think about our own meaning and purpose. We, mm-hmm. we can't wait until the end of our lives, uh, in a sense, to say then what was our purpose, uh, we have to trust uh, that there's something outside of ourselves um, to, to reveal what that purpose is. And and then it becomes a matter of faith. And so I think that that's one of the big parts of this conversation is that um, we're all staking uh, what we believe to be true on an act of faith. And it's where, what are we putting our faith into? <laughs> where is it coming from?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And how important it is to be able to have conversations like this, where we can ask those questions out loud. You know, a lot of those Mm -hmm. questions are asked, you know, in desperate times in the middle of the night when you can't sleep and, you know, all Mm -hmm. is, you know, hopeless and, you know, nihilism is the only way to be right. Mm -hmm. But when you, uh, but when you're in the middle of the day and you think, well, that's kind of silly, I can't bring that up with somebody, but those are the questions we really should bring up with each other.
11: I agree. I agree. And I, I think there is a sense that we all, you know, at different times are questioning, what is the purpose of this or that? Is, is there any meaning in my mm-hmm. life? Is what I'm doing have any, you know, make any sense or have any meaning? Uh, but, but we have to know who to ask those questions or where to ask those questions. And like you said, in, in community is how we can do that. But, but who are we asking them to? <laughs> are we asking them to ourselves? Or are we, are we directing them to the Lord who we believe is the one who, who gives us purpose?
2: Melissa McKay with us. She's on staff with the City Ministry of Crew. She directs Faith and Work Chicago in partnership with Holy Trinity Church in Chicago. She wrote a piece at uh, the Gospel Coalition, Why Sunny Nihilism Isn't a Logical Option. So, Melissa, you're working with college students. What's it like for you in Chicago in the midst of COVID? I mean, this is, had to be a really weird semester. Was there anybody in person? And I'm sure there had to be a lot of despair surrounding you as you met with kids
11: sure sure yeah i I worked with college students for about eighteen years the last five I've actually gotten to work with with more young professionals um okay. post graduation uh, as people have entered the the workforce and so uh but but absolutely these questions you know continue to come up and I think certainly as we're in this period of of quarantine and um you know work disruption, things have changed so much these kinds of questions um I think are sitting right at the surface, you know especially as um, people's jobs have changed or um, you know, as they've experienced, uh, job loss, you know, the, these, I would say kind of existential questions are even more, you know, so at the forefront of our minds. Mm-hmm.
3: That's Melissa Mackey on staff with city ministry of crew and directing faith and work Chicago. Thanks for being with us,
11: Melissa. Absolutely.
9: Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, our pleasure. Take a quick break. Come back. Uh, remember the Sears catalog? Or how about the Ikea catalog? I
3: love the Ikea catalog. I love Well, it.
2: the Ikea catalog is no more. 200 million copies worldwide annually. Forget about it. Of all the
6: women in the world, you chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever. Like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription. A promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is, and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark. The Diamond, The Promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever visit TrinityJewelers.com
7: Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, President of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in Heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at CityMission.org and let your light shine today God bless you this Christmas season.
3: I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away. By phone, online, or in person.
8: Brought to you
0: by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne.
9: And I'm Danica Bourne.
0: And And we're the the owners owners of
7: South Coast Tax.
0: We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease.
2: When's the last time you went to uh, IKEA, Kat?
3: Uh, well, it was pre COVID, I know that.
8: Uh, I wonder,
2: I- IKEA's got to be open, right?
3: I would think so. You
2: know, walking around.
3: Pretty much every store is open.
2: Well, um, here's the deal uh, the IKEA catalog, which we've had in our house I off and on. I love
3: the IKEA catalog.
2: Yeah, well, after 70 years, the furniture retailer IKEA has announced today that it's giving up its printed catalog.
3: I just, uh, do we, need, at a time like this, well, we could really I mean, use a catalog to page through?
2: I don't not really. The company no, founded, of course, in Sweden, pret- intends to present its products primarily digitally, right? Whatever. I mean, that's, everyone's doing that right okay, now. Okay, I hate it. company founded in 1951 by Igvar Komprad compiled the first catalog, 285,000 copies, uh, last year, more than 200 million copies in 32 languages were produced. Gosh, 200 million copies. That's a lot of, that's a, that's a lot of work. Right? Listen, so wonder- let me
3: Okay. Let me say this. Let me just bring in a little personal story that I'm in the middle of right now. Okay. Having my bathroom painted. Yeah. Okay? And as I was just doing some stuff in the bathroom, just a few days ago, one of the light fixtures broke. It actually like broke off. I mean, it's, it's been there a long time, about, you know, 15 years probably. So it wasn't a real shock, but anyway, now before the bathroom's painted, I need to get some light fixtures. So I'm looking online. I hate buying stuff like that online. Yeah. 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 I hate it. I would rather go to a place and say, do I really like this? Because I'm going to pay several hundred dollars for a thing. And what if it comes in? I don't like it.
2: Well, you want to shop locally, right? So where do you go? Who's the lighting supply place in the city of Pittsburgh? Well, that's
3: a good question, isn't it? Because, it, right. you know, I used to go to Northern Light on the north side, and that's mm-hmm. been gone for over 10 years. And then I would, went to Lighting by Eric on Babcock Boulevard in the North Hills, and that's
2: gone. Well, I think Lighting on Eric, aren't they still in Mount Lebanon? They might be. I think they are. I oh, think and, they closed.
3: And, right. And someone mentioned uh, Rollins. Is that still on Route 19 in Rollins. that area? Is,
2: is Rollins a hardware store? Hmm.
3: I thought it was Lighting, too.
2: I thought it was they. You get a lobster roll there as well down in that's the strip. That's a different one. There it is. Anyway, well, uh, good luck with that. But the the IKEA catalog, just go online, Kath. Save some trees. It's
3: not okay? the same.
2: We'll take a break. Come back. We got a big five o'clock hour ahead. The Ignatian Guide to Forgiveness. That's next. The ride home with John and Kathy here on Word FM.
4: 1.5 WORD FM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the word FM mobile app iHeart, tune in and at radio.com.
8: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A federal panel of vaccine experts is meeting this week to consider Pfizer's vaccine and again next week for Moderna's. Shipments of the coronavirus vaccine developed by American drug maker Pfizer. And Germany's BioNTech have been delivered in the UK. Those deliveries arrived on Sunday, two days before it goes public. President Trump says his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, is doing very well after testing positive for the coronavirus. The president says he spoke with Giuliani earlier today and that he had no temperature. U.S. service men and women and National Park Service officials gathering in. Pearl Harbor in Hawaii to remember those that were killed in the attack 79 years ago. This is SRN News.
1: Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com.
3: We want everybody to have a level of comfort knowing that they're in a safe environment, that they're in a
11: caring environment and that their health and well-being is our top priority.
6: At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care.
11: We are constantly
3: screening both ourselves and patients. I want my patients to know that we are there for them. When they are ready, we are here. You're going to be safe. You're going to be well cared for.
6: On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com.
7: Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season.
9: If you are a caregiver for a family member or loved one, this is an important message. Help at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, will pay you to take care of your family member or loved one. Yes, you heard that right. You can actually get paid to provide care to those you love. To learn more, contact Help at Home today and get started right now. Care and quality when you need it. Call Help at Home, 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. What
8: if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters.
1: We'll see plenty of clouds for tonight with a couple of flurries. Expect a low tonight of 28. Tomorrow, times of clouds and sunshine. Tomorrow will reach a high of 36. Tomorrow night will be overcast. Tomorrow night we'll see a low of 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy skies. Expect a high Wednesday of 41. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem Pittsburgh studios. And
5: now
2: here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Cold out there, isn't it? Man, oh man, oh man, super cold. Yep. So Monday afternoon, the sun is setting. And yeah, the Steelers are uh, going to be on TV in a little bit, aren't they?
3: It's like a time warp.
2: Well, I, you know, it's going to pass. This We'll look back at this time, Kath, and go, those were really good times, but aren't you glad you made it through?
3: Well, okay. I All appreciate right. that perspective, John. Thank you yeah. so much.
2: My pleasure. Hey, uh, we are streaming live once again after a brief hiatus for uh, technical reasons, but we are back up and running at wordfm.com. We're on Facebook as well, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, and uh, you can check out what we look like uh, today. I, I kind of feel like uh, I look like Ulysses S. Grant, and uh, Kath <laughs> looks like Mary Pickford.
3: Oh, good. I like yeah. that. It's wonderful. Yeah. I appreciate
2: that. You know, Kath, we talked to a lot of people who... Um,
3: Wasn't she uh, silent?
2: Uh, she was mostly yeah, silent. I guess yeah. that's what
3: you're trying to say.
2: Well, no, no, no. But mm-hmm. she crossed over. She oh. did. Yeah, she crossed over. She was married to uh, Douglas Fairbanks, I believe. Listen married to you to-
3: with, like, the celebrity gossip right?
2: from, oh, like, 1940? The- listen, I watched a really great movie over the weekend, Mank. Oh, was, yeah. Uh,
3: I heard about that. Alyssa Wilkinson, our uh, film critic from Vox. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Very good. That film. Yeah. If you're a movie lover, That's you know,
3: I who was friends with uh, Rose, the Rosebud guy, Orson Welles. Yeah.
2: He, he wrote uh, essentially Herman Mankiewicz wrote um, Citizen Kane.
8: Huh, and then, right. you know,
2: then they took the script and Orson Welles massaged it. Anyway, it was very good, uh, very good television viewing. Listen, so we we invite a lot of wordsmiths on the air. Do we not? People who um are uh, writers and editors and whatnot. I follow this guy, Tom Whitwell. Tom's never been on the show with us, but he's just one of those people, you know, you, you never meet, but you follow along. He wrote this fascinating piece, 52 things that I learned in 2020. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he's editing a book. And, of course, as you're editing, you know, you're picking up all these different facts and fig to- figures. Listen to this. I'll, let me just read a few things that Tom learned. Okay. Listen, Most cities plant only male trees because it's expensive to clean up the fruit that falls from female trees. Male trees release pollen, and that's one of the reasons your hay fever is getting worse.
3: Okay. I didn't know that there were male Trees and and female female trees.
2: trees. Yeah. How about that? Isn't that weird?
3: Did you know that?
2: Yes. I'm not trying to brag. It's just a fact. Okay. Okay. How about this? The hold music that you hear on your phone, if you're a customer of Octopus Energy, which I don't Mm -hmm. know this company, Octopus Energy, if you're on hold, is personalized to your customer account, it would be the number one record from the year when you were fourteen years old.
3: That's awesome. That's a great idea. <laughs> That's a great idea. Why is it that every single place I've called doesn't have
2: no that no, algorithm in place? No, There's something. How about that on hold music? It's just I horrible, can't stand isn't it? it. Yeah,
3: and it's it's the worst. Well, I, I won't say where the worst is. But yeah, it,
2: okay, don't go there. Yeah, All I'm
3: right. not even going to say it.
2: All of the ten best-selling books of the last decade had female protagonists. Interesting. Yep.
3: Most of my favorite books. Is that true? I would say most of my favorite books have a female protagonist. Oh, really?
2: Okay. All right. Yeah, Yeah, you can understand that.
3: But um, I would say several of uh, half of them are written by men.
2: Hmm. All right. I don't know what that means, but that's something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Doctors in a private hospital in Mexico City. Conducted a functional MRI scan on a patient while she underwent an exorcism in order to learn the, quote, possessor's strategy to take control of the mind, end quote. Afterwards, so many strange things happened to the 16-person team involved in the exorcism that they published a follow-up paper.
3: Okay, so That's- I spent a good amount of time looking at all of the findings about yes. this case. Did oh, you did?
2: Uh, I did not.
3: Okay. Um, it is a really curious case, and it's obviously not written in English, so the English translation is a little hinky, Wanky? Yeah, it is. Um, but, um, it, like John said, it took place in Mexico, a young woman who had experienced a lot of trauma in life, who was showing signs of having a physical psychological extreme response to religious relics Mm -hmm. um over time um she had had a uh, exorcism uh, at least one i think perhaps more than that prior to the one in which she was hooked up to an mri machine to kind of see what happened to her brain no
2: wait no wait wait you're saying she had an extreme reaction to religious relics yes what so she would get close to a cross Mm -hmm. and something would happen to her yes okay go ahead
3: yeah yeah um, that that is one of the things that happened to her. There were many, many things that happened to this young woman, 29 years old, a medical student. Um, so what's strange about, you know, I'm not a, a clinician. And so it was difficult for me to go through the actual um, paper about what happened anatomically to her brain. So I kind of had to Look at that, and not gain a whole lot from it. But what I spent more time on is the paper that came as a result of all of the weird things that happened to everybody involved in this incident before, during, and after the exorcism. What? That is the part that is really, really weird. So there is, and I'm doing this from memory because my my printer's jammed right now. I couldn't print it out. But um, the the story is that there was a uh, there was a priest in the room who was doing the exorcism. Her father was there, who was also a physician. There was a surgeon there was a gynecologist there was a neurologist there was a neurophysiologist i don't think there was an anesthesiologist in the room anyway and it went through what happened to all of those people john in the days before the exorcism the day of and the day after and it's a bunch of really weird things really like the the woman who had the exorcism her father who was also a physician had heart attack um, her surgeon ended up falling he was he was doing like a hike a, an outdoor hike he ended up falling from a from a, a one meter platform he ended up falling on his head he had several head injuries um, I mean it just goes on and on the one of the women who was in the room I forget what her role was she'd had a long-term 10 plus year relationship with her boyfriend he broke up with her um, it was just one set of negative, Things that happened after another,
2: but what I'm curious: what about the MRI itself? Did they talk about that? Well,
3: that's the part that I kind of fell down on a little bit because I don't have enough clinical expertise to be able to really wade through it. I mean, it's not written for someone like me or you to be reading.
2: I see. Okay. You know,
3: you have to really have some level of competence um, in in that to know kind of what they're talking about.
2: Well, I mean, I love that. Okay, but
3: but here's the here's the most interesting part though: Hmm. is after the Uh, subsequent findings are listed all of the bizarre instances that happened to everybody who was in the room the last thing they ask them is so do you really believe like are you more afraid of satan Or are you more afraid of the danger of living in Mexico, as in, you know, the problems with drugs, the problems with violence, all those sorts of things? What are you more afraid of? And every single one of them said, in spite of what had happened to them, that they were way more afraid of just living in Mexico with all of the societal problems they're having than they were of anything actually demonic.
2: I would think it'd be the reverse. Was not. Because if you're in a room and you're extracting, I wonder how many of those people were believers.
3: Well, they're all, every one of them was Catholic. All right. Yeah. Every one of them was Catholic. So there's no indication of whether they're believers or not. They did ask whether they believed in Satan. That was one of the questions. And all of them either said, yes, they believed in Satan or they thought they did. But they were a little bit unsure.
2: Well, I'm sure Mexico City is scary, but I don't think there's anything more scary in this world than being in the presence of that.
3: I don't. Maybe if you lived in Mexico City, you'd think differently about it. I don't know. Because it was it was across the board. Now, the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting about it is that. they all were intent on being a, like, they went into it willingly. They didn't go into it like, oh, this sure. is going to be stupid. You know, there was not, I don't, I didn't get any feeling about that, Um, that they went into it honestly, that they were trying to help the young woman. There didn't seem to be any demonstration that she was altered for the positive as a result of the exorcism.
2: Hmm. That's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, yeah.
3: I mean, I appreciated the fact that they did an actual clinical assessment of something that's spiritual because I it agree. would seem yeah. like in America, you know, the me- medical community would never do that. They would just, you know, poo-poo it and say, well, you know, it's
2: right. not the, something yeah. that we're going
3: to waste our time with.
2: That's exactly my thought, too, that the medical community cared enough to try to delve right. into something spiritual, which was dangerous right. and a detriment to that person's health and psychological and spiritual well-being.
3: Also, part of the um, clip, and I know we're running short on time, but let me just say that part of the, the uh, subsequent findings were also that all of the things that happened to these people, you know, the heart attack, the fall, the breakup, mm-hmm. they, that everybody recognized that those are things that happened to tons of people all the time. I see. Sure. So they didn't necessarily see a direct correlation between the exorcism and what happened to them.
2: Right. but uh, Their feelings, though, about the woman who underwent the exorcism, that they didn't see any change in the woman after the fact. I wonder how she felt personally when, you know, the follow-up interview. It wasn't, wasn't
3: part of the findings that I saw. No, it wasn't.
2: All righty. Let's take a quick break, come back. Uh, I'm looking forward to this next conversation. We're going to talk about uh, the guide to forgiveness, whether it's yourself or someone in your circles. What does that look like to forgive? Be right back. It's The right Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM, streaming at wordfm.com. Mm-hmm.
4: WORD.
10: Here's Dr.
8: Charles Stanley.
10: Everything about redemption, about salvation, is a gift of
1: God. It's God's grace. It's His goodness and love and mercy. It has nothing to do with anything good on the inside of us, or anything that we have done or ever will do. It's all
8: God's love, goodness, and mercy. Hear the series, The Truth About Grace, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley.
1: Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD.
3: Still paying outrageous premiums for your health insurance? Or maybe you settled with a ministry plan, some short-term medical or limited benefit plan that lacks the coverage you need? This is Kathy Emmons for my friends at Marley Financial. Every agency offers the same stuff, well, except for Marley. Marley Financial now offers a unique ACA clone that looks, feels, and most importantly, acts just like a Blue Cross plan. In fact, it's even better. You can go to any hospital or facility anywhere in the country. They'll actually waive your deductible for inpatient and surgery. Does your plan do that? Plus, they can customize your plan to reduce your costs for the rest of your life. Contact Marley Financial today, 724-884-1496. You don't have to wait till open enrollment, 724-884-1496, or visit MarleyFG.com. Nobody does health insurance like Marley, 724-884-1496. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures, and even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. we should talk. Here's the number.
6: Call 1-800-990- 6976.
7: That's 1-800-990- 6976. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, President of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in Heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City mission will be there but only with your continued support please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today god bless you this christmas season
2: you ever reach a point in your life where you know you get this hard this hard crust in the very being of who you are and you you want to forgive Whether it's someone out in your life, or whether it's you yourself, that you need to forgive, but you just can't. And so you carry that unforgiving attitude around like a cocoon of poison in your life. Of course, that's not good for anybody, is it? So I'm happy to welcome our guest Maria Berenz-McCoy, she's a professor of philosophy at Boston College, and she's got a brand new workout called The Nation Guide to Forgiveness, 10 Steps to Healing. Marina, you're very welcome here. How are you today?
9: Fine, thank you. How are you, John? Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's our pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks
9: for being here, Marina. Um,
3: at the start of your book, uh, you mentioned that, I don't know, forgiveness is less like a mathematical translation or transaction and more like a dance. Yes.
9: Yeah. So I begin with this image of a dance that, you know, when you go to a wedding, for example, and you see the bride out there on the dance floor and she dances with her father and the groom is dancing with his mother and the circle slowly widens as each person gets out onto the dance floor. But this is a good metaphor for forgiveness because it's not really about, you know, I'm going to forgive, so that God will forgive me like a transaction it's much more about the freedom to know we're loved by God, to share in the love that Jesus wants to share in with us and to pass that on to other people.
2: Mm-hmm. And Marina, when I think about forgiveness, to be honest you know uh, as I'm reading through your work, I, I, I rarely think about forgiveness of self. I always you know tend to project oh, my wife, my children, my you know my relationships that are you know down the road but that, I think that's really key. I think a lot of us cannot will not even look at ourselves and even delve into the idea of forgiving ourselves?
9: Yeah, you know, I think it's hard, and it's been hard for me in my own life also, and for many people that I know in the course of writing this book or going to prison uh, where I serve. um, You know, the thing about forgiveness is we know intellectually that God forgives everything, that when we are sincerely sorry and we are, you know, uh, sad about our sins, that God just wants to embrace us in love. However, actually internalizing that or forgiving myself, which is separate than accepting God's forgiveness, is a really difficult process because, you know, our own love for ourselves isn't always as big as God's love for us in all of our humanity. So I wanted to write a book that would kind of get into the very human and messy things about forgiveness, whether it's forgiving oneself or forgiving other people.
2: Okay. So you talk about the idea of, you know, that forgiveness is not necessarily a straight line. And, and uh, to be honest, I, I don't know Ignatian spirituality. So could you talk about, you know, these 10 things? I don't expect you to delve into, you know, all 10 things. But what are the key things about this?
9: Right. So one of the things that makes it particularly Ignatian is that Ignatius really taught us a couple things. One, uh, to know that we're love sinners. And second of all, to use the resources of Scripture and imagination and really engaging in personal dialogue with Jesus uh, in order to understand ourselves as well as to understand what God wants to tell us. So I try to use in the book a variety of types of prayer to help people in their journey of forgiveness, knowing that it's really about God and the person, you know, not about me or my book, but sort of facilitating what some of the things I've noticed might be helpful. Um, Some of those things that I found helpful have been, you know, naming our judgmental side, which I call naming your inner Pharisee, right? Each of us can be very judgmental when we look at, for example, what others have done to hurt us and fail to look at what was my part in that process. Or we might believe in grace, but do we really trust in how vast God's grace is for us? So I talk about trusting in abundant grace. Um, A couple other things I think are important are things like, you know, making friends with time, realizing that when we create new narratives about the future, that we have to accept that the past is in the past, but the future might be different. We can't actually go back to 10 years ago or five years ago. So those are some of the things that I find really important in the process of um, moving towards forgiveness.
3: So what about if people who are listening to the program now think, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to forgive somebody. I'm really not interested in the process. You know, I just rather kind of hold on to where things are right now because I've been wronged.
9: Yeah, you know, I really understand that. And I, you know, one of the things I start with in the book is called finding your desire, which means naming where am I really at? (laughs) I think it's really important to, uh, for us to, uh, for me to understand that wherever I'm at in that process, God is right there with me. So it might be the case that when I approach this question of forgiveness, you know, I'm not ready yet. But I do think anyone who's even thinking to themselves, well, I'm not ready to forgive yet. You know, forgiveness is on our minds, <laughs> So I think sometimes that, for me at least, I can say that little germ of wanting to forgive is there buried beneath the surface, because don't I want to be free of anger? Don't I want to be free of resentment? Don't I want to love the way God loves? I think those are things that many of us as Christians do desire, and it's more like obstacles get in the way so that we're not free to pursue those deeper desires.
2: Right. Okay. And. I think one of the key things I, I read is that forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation, right? I mean, I can forgive, I can go through this process, but it's not as though no, the relationship is whole again. It, it may come back to some form of what it once was. It may never come back, but the, the forgiveness is the key. The reconciliation in many ways is secondary.
9: Yes, I think that's right. And I think it's, you know, very case and specific. Um, it's very dependent upon a specific situation, So it might be the case that someone decides to forgive someone who has really hurt them, but it turns out the relationship is not a healthy relationship. So, for example, in a case of something like domestic abuse, you know, I would never advocate someone staying in a relationship that was harmful to him or to her. I think rather, you know, we need to have healthy boundaries. However, um, letting go of anger and resentment when the time is right, when we're able to heal, when we're able to let God love us, is separate than deciding how we want to treat a a future relationship. So I might disengage from a relationship that's not good for me or good for the other and still forgive. Conversely, there are many instances where we might try to restore a relationship but go in a new direction. So for example, imagine a couple that's been married for 10 years and they need to forgive some past wrongs of one another they might have a different marriage when they're married 15, 20, 25 years into marriage than they did when they were wed. And that might be partly through coming through a process of, you know, understanding one another better, forgiving, understanding one another's humanness and flaws and finding a new way to relate.
3: Very interesting. Marina burzens McCoy, professor of philosophy at Boston College who works on themes of vulnerability, rhetoric and self knowledge. The book is called The Ignatian Guide to Forgiveness, 10 Steps to Healing. Um, Marina, let me just put this in a personal context for you. Um, why forgiveness? Why uh, Ignatius? What, what's your passion for this?
9: Right. So I have um, been lucky enough to get a lot of formation in Ignatian Spirituality at Boston College, where I work, where Mm -hmm. uh, Ignatian Spirituality is taken very seriously. Um, But I've also worked, um, well, not worked, you know, but volunteered and served in a prison for about 11 years, and I've really had these deepening conversations with inmates about themes of forgiveness and self-forgiveness. Um, I can also say that in my own life, you know, like every other human being that I know, <laughs> I've experienced hurt and disappointment. I've hurt people and then try to think about, well, how do I want to accept forgiveness or how do I want to move forward? So I think for me, all those things together kind of came came together to motivate me to think through, okay, what has been helpful to me? Um, what have been my obstacles? What have been the messy spots? inside of my own process and i definitely read this book as a pilgrim so this is not the you know authoritative book of how to forgive from somebody who did it perfectly every time <laughs> right. this is right, the book good. about the pilgrim the fellow pilgrim who's out there saying you know it can be tough but this really does free us to love this frees us to heal there's a lot of good stuff and this frees us to be closer to god which is our primary relationship
2: That's good. Okay. So Marina, I would imagine, you know, even myself or people listening, there's always that, you know, that grand forgiveness that we're looking at, you know, a key relationship that's been sullied. But I also think that, you know, it's a day-to-day thing, maybe, maybe, maybe for a lot of people, a minute by minute thing to learn the act of forgiveness in our lives.
9: That is such a good point, right? Because think about all the little things that can happen, you know, if you're driving to work and someone cuts you off or, Somebody makes an unkind comment at work, or maybe not even unkind. You just think, well, that that didn't come off right to me, <laughs> right? So I think some of the things that we need to do is cultivating a kind of habit of mercy. So do we habitually go through life thinking, you know, what is really important here? Um, what really matters Picking and choosing the kinds of things that we let ruffle our feathers is an important uh, element. But I think also keeping in mind that other people could be having a bad day. (laughs) Other people have their own challenges, their own hurt. There's a woman who mentored me, Ruth, um, at the prison that I've volunteered at, and she loves to say, hurt people hurt other people. So Mm -hmm. if I can kind of cultivate a habit of saying, you know what, human beings are messy they're difficult, sometimes they're hurting, and they don't act the way that maybe is ideal, and guess what, that's me too, then I'm able to maybe cultivate um, a lighter disposition about the everyday parts of, you know, daily life.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Marina, uh, time's almost up. Before you leave us, I want to take this, maybe we can end from God's perspective. Um, At the Mm. start of your book, you talk about um, forgiveness being like into a party but a party that God's Mm. throwing. Can you kind of flesh that out for us?
9: Yeah. So I think the thing is this, um, like at the end of the prodigal son parable, when the father throws the party for his son, I think God just adores us and wants to celebrate us. And it's our problem that we don't always know that grace is really there. And that love is really there. So for us, I think forgiveness is not about again, an economic exchange. It's about an invitation to a wonderful party God just wants to celebrate exactly who we are, exactly where we're at, and extend that love so that we can share it with others.
2: That's wonderful. Marina, thanks. Uh, We just got a little tiny taste here, but uh, you've uh, made a banquet, and we look forward to deeper conversations with you about this really important subject. So thanks for being with us here today.
9: Thank you very much for the invitation, and have a really great evening.
2: Thank you. The pleasure has been ours. God Marina Brazins McCoy from Boston College. Her brand new work, "The Ignatian Guide to Forgiveness: Ten Steps to Healing." <laughs>
7: First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community.
9: The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The
1: incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation.
9: The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience.
6: First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. After 10 surgeries to repair the cleft lip and palate she was born with, Vilia saw her new forever smile. After spending his first 114 days of life in the NICU, AJ graduated. After Ella's ninth brain surgery this year, music helped her heal. After enduring cancer treatments, Sam, Sean, and Tristan celebrated. Your generosity makes moments like these possible for kids at UPMC Children's Hospital. Donate to Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh Foundation today. Give to childrens.org. Hi
2: and at Grove City College here locally, have just about ended, if not already. To survive this semester, it required a large measure of planning, good decision-making and flexibility on the part of the staff and the students. So first and foremost, because of low numbers, kudos to Grove City College for meeting in person from the beginning of the semester until now. That really says a lot about the excellence of Grove City College. Look, um, both Kath and I have kids there. We personally invested in this process. And Kath, although it wasn't perfect, it was a really good semester, wasn't it?
3: Yeah I, yeah, I can't tell you how many times my husband and I talked to our kids and said, you know, thank God that you are in a place where you can actually be in class in person. Now, look, there were all sorts of isolations and quarantines. And, you know, like every other college, the last month has been absolute craziness. I've just been grateful for the fact that, as you said, John, people there at Grove City have a strong enough um uh, knowledge and appreciation of authority, and they're willing to be able to change things up if they have to at the last minute to just keep things going till the end of the semester. And I don't know. I've just been grateful for them the whole way through.
2: Now, of course, we don't know what next semester or fall of 21 is going to look like, but if you're looking for a quality education, Grow City College, edu. Listen on
4: your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com. I heart, tune in and on radio.com. In the car or at home too at 101.5 WORD Pittsburgh.
1: We'll see plenty of clouds for tonight with a couple of flurries. Expect a low tonight of 28. Tomorrow, times of clouds and sunshine. Tomorrow will reach a high of 36. Tomorrow night will be overcast. Tomorrow night we'll see a low of 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy skies. Expect a high Wednesday of 41. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
3: Does this make sense?
2: Does what make sense?
3: Dryer sheets.
2: A hundred percent.
3: Why do you think dryer sheets make sense?
2: Well, you know, in the old days you had to use your, like, you know, if, if you didn't want your clothes to be all staticky,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right. You had to put in like the, the downy, a the little liquid stuff. Now you just put a little dryer sheet in there. Your clothes have a nice little sort of freshness to them. And the big thing for me is who likes that staticky stuff? You know, that happens. And I I don't want, I think it's dangerous and it's annoying.
3: It's dangerous. What's it going to do?
2: Well, hey, you know, our chief engineer here at the station, he walks around a little water bottle. He's always spraying down because he doesn't want staticky Mm -hmm. because that could affect the equipment.
3: Okay. I mean, but I'm asking about your home dryers. (laughs) I guess I'm giving it away that I don't think dryer sheets make sense.
2: Why don't you? You don't use dryer sheets?
3: I haven't used a dryer sheet in about... What? I don't know. Two decades.
2: My mouth is agape. Wait, two decades ago, they didn't have them two decades ago. It's a fairly recent, you know. That's not true. Consumer. I think it is. Dryer
3: sheets have been around a long time. What? Mm-hmm.
2: You don't. So what? You don't use anything? You Nothing. don't use it any-
3: Not a thing. What do I need a dryer sheet for, people?
2: Oh, if I don't have a dryer sheet, I'm not feeling good about myself.
3: What? Yeah. Well,
2: oh, you're dryer. feeling
3: like a slacker if you don't use a dryer
2: sheet. I need a dryer sheet. I, it's important. All to, right. To me, I
3: got to be honest with you. Dryer I, do sheets. Not, I do not think dryer sheets make really? sense.
2: Huh. All right. Does this make sense? The other day, my wife calls me and she says, I'm, I'm out at the store. You need anything? I said, oh, thanks for calling. You're going to need, I need some pickles. She's like, all right, I'll pick you up some pickles. We came home. We're unloading the groceries together. She bought sweet and sour pickles. I'm like, honey, I love you. I appreciate you going to the store and everything and buying some pickles. But I, I wanted a dill pickle. I don't want a sweet and sour. Sa- mm. What's a sweet oh, yeah. and sour pickle?
3: Oh, you and I are diverging big time today because That's a bread and butter worst. pickle is what I am about.
4: Uh, oh,
2: Listen, a butter. dill
3: pickle is a little bit of an assault. And sometimes I say, okay, back it up a little. Like, No, no. I don't want to eat something that hurts.
2: Give me a Clausen's no. Big Thick mm-hmm. Boom. Sweet and sour, no,
3: bread and butter—that is where it's at.
2: It's like walking both sides of the street, cutting no. it right down the middle.
3: No, you're trying to embrace the best of both tastes. Mm-hmm. I think it's an elevated form of pickle.
2: Sweet and sour pickles, bread and butter—that'll make sense. Take that with your dryer sheet. Go on home. <laughs> that'll make sense.
4: W-O-R-D.
1: You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you. i give you your number. That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests. Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan and sign up.
2: We're big fans. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everybody get the best sleep of their lives. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream Bedsheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep. And that's the whole point, right? Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Now, we know MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, but MyPillow has just announced that they are extending their 60-day money-back guarantee. That's right. Orders placed between now and December 25th will have the 60-day money-back guarantee extended through March 1st, 2021. The first night you sleep on the Geezy sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Call 1-800-391-0954. Promo code is WORD. That's one 800 Three nine one zero nine five four, or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code WORD get the best night's sleep of your life.
7: Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, President of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in Heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. I was
9: blessed to have my dad in my life until I was eight years old. His passing probably should have devastated my future. Once he was gone, life became really hard. Over the years, I heard so many negative messages, you know, like, you can't, you're not good enough, you won't succeed. I didn't understand it, but somehow they were all drowned out by one voice, my father's. In our short time together, he was constantly reaffirming me and reminding me that I was important to him and to God. He pictured a special future for me, helping me look beyond my circumstances and to dream of what I could be. Now I understand why his words had the greatest impact. He was giving me his blessing.
6: The Blessing it's biblical, it's permanent, and it's one of the most powerful things you can
11: do for your child. Find out more about The Blessing at FocusOnTheFamily.com blessing.
2: Celebrity pastors. I remember years ago, I don't know, five or six years ago, I was like looking at Instagram and there was a thing about celebrity pastors who um, like high-end tennis shoes. And pastors wearing like tennis shoes that cost $2,000 or $4,000, that's a thing. And that is a thing.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, apparently it goes well beyond that. David French is with us, and uh, he is a a regular guest on our show. His brand new work is called Divided We Fall, America's Succession Threat and How to Restore Our Nation. Just named today uh, Book of the Year by World Magazine. But uh, David wrote a piece, The Crisis of Christian Celebrity. The heart is deceitful above all things. David, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really
10: appreciate it.
3: All right, David. So uh, as your article says, it's happened again. We have another celebrity pastor who's fallen from grace. This one is uh, Justin Bieber's pastor, Kevin Durant's pastor, uh, Carl Lentz. He was the lead pastor of Hillsong East Coast. He's the guy with the weird glasses, if you're not sure who I'm talking about. And you follow uh, Christian That's fashion. Stuff on Twitter. Uh, So it's, you know, it's another sad story of someone who was unfaithful to his wife and is now trying to, you know, heal things with his family after he was fired by his superior. Uh, I don't know, David, where you want to start. It's just another, you know, tragic tale.
10: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of these that when, when we found out about it, you know, immediately you heard he was fired and then immediately he came out and he said he was unfaithful to his wife. And then you know, it so often happens when you find out that there's one thing that's wrong, um, that's not necessarily the only thing that's wrong. And so Ruth mm-hmm. Graham had a really uh, very, very disturbing report in the New York Times about sort of the celebrity culture around Song and how, you know, there was a lot of brand maintenance and a lot of sort of favoritism for celebrity guests and, and celebrity, you know, and members. And, right. and it just... You know, it, it was really sad to read, and, and look, a lot of us have listened to Hillsong music for years and years and years, and some of the music, music is just be- just beautiful. I love it. I, mm-hmm. I include it in my Sunday newsletters all the time, and, um, and, you know, there's a lot of good folks at Hillsong, but it was very sad, and, you know, the thing is, it's kind of, there's this sort of bad thing that happens, you see, on the internet, when one branch of evangelicalism that a lot of people maybe sort of have problems with, they'll say, well, you know, we, we knew there, there was something there was something with him. We knew there was something with him all along. And what I wrote about was basically every sort of single branch of evangelicalism over the last weeks and months and, and just a few years has had a really just dramatic scandal, um, yeah. you know, whether it's like straight-laced homeschoolers or rock-ripped Southern Baptists or intellectual evangelical apologists or you know, hipster secret church types. I mean, it's sort of like all of the different parts of the evangelical world have had, you know, one of their celebrities, sometimes people who could fill arenas, uh, fall, you know, fall into just really, and sometimes really awful sin. Right.
2: So I I wonder, David, I mean, this is, I'm sure, the celebrity pastor has been around for uh, many a year. There's someone particular gifts, who is a great orator, who has great wisdom or knowledge, and all of a sudden, you know, they're invited to a higher echelon, they find themselves in rarefied air, and then more often than not, you know, the, the downfall comes. I mean... We just look, we look so bad. And for all the faithful men and women who are out toiling as regular pastors, whatever that might mean to you, right? They're the ones who sort of take the brunt because then everybody looks bad, but especially pastors because they're all the hypocrites and the fools and, you know, the phonies who are out there preaching God's word. And it's just, it's a complete and total mess.
10: Yeah, it is a mess. And, you know, it's the faithful pastors, isn't it? there they're, you know they're famous pastors and famous Christians who've been faithful their whole lives but it, but it's the faithful ones who are left sort of picking up the pieces after uh, the crisis and after the you know sort of the shattering of, of people's lives and the, the the shattering of their confidence in the church and but you know you know the thing is it's I think look there's some people who are just bad folks who get in the ministry we you know we all know that there there's every and now and then and every bad yeah. Every you know every profession has some bad folks who get into it, and ministry is no exception. But I think again and again, what happens with a lot of these uh, you know celebrity Christian celebrities who fall and who falter is, you know, when a person becomes a celebrity, their life changes in important ways, and I think that many times they're not prepared for it. Um, they don't understand what they're getting into. They're not prepared for it, and. And I think a lot of times, unless you establish some very rigorous habits of life and habits of the heart um, as you're sort of progressing through ministry, um, when, when people obtain that fame, they're not ready, and they're, they're not ready for what it means, they're not ready for the temptations, they're not ready for the pressures, um, and that's why, you know, I wrote that it's so important that people um, establish some of these patterns and habits and Understand, you know, for example, they can't trust their own goodness. They can't trust mm-hmm. their own virtue. Yes. And then and then don't believe your own press clippings. You know, understand that, you know, as the book of James says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, not from your own awesome talent and charisma. <laughs> and um, have that degree of humility in your walk and You know, those kinds of understandings, every single Christian, public uh, Christian of of real integrity who has fame that I've known has shared these characteristics. So they don't they don't trust that they're awesome people and they don't believe that they've attained what they've attained because of their Mm -hmm. awesome talent. Mm -hmm. And so I think that helps keep them grounded.
3: And that's the key. Right. The key is to not. I mean, how many times have you heard it? You can't believe your own press. right? Um, Right. But when but when you're in it it's harder. I mean, I, I'm not trying to like dole out compassion where it isn't due, but I do think some compassion is due simply because those are in the, those people who are in the public eye like that are in an incredible snow globe of people looking on them all the time and waiting for them to fall and people who are sycophantically, you know, for them every place they go from their church to their grocery store to whatever. I mean, it would just be hard to be a celebrity overall.
10: Yeah, you know, I think that's one thing I, I wrote in in my piece is that um, it would be, it, there's reciprocal responsibilities here. It would be great if we, uh, the culture didn't treat celebrities like they were Greek gods
4: mm-hmm. and it would
10: be great if celebrities didn't believe that they ultimately come, often come to believe they belong on Mount Olympus <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and You know, I think that there's a really, you know, even when you're subculture famous, there is this really odd um, dynamic, social dynamic that exists when people uh, are around other famous people. And if you're a famous person, you become used to that dynamic as sort of like the background hum of your life, that people are either excessively interested in you and excessively interested in what you have to say or you know, sometimes you're a flashpoint for controversy, and because you are, you'll often recoil away from the people who hate what you have to say, and you know, immerse yourself in that cocoon of people who love what you have to say. And all of these things create different kinds of temptations and different kind of pit, different kinds of pitfalls that people need to guard against. And um, you know, it, it's one of the reasons why you know a lot of people who are leaders um, really often need time away and time away spent with people who are not depending on them for a paycheck <laughs> or right. not awestruck by them uh, to really ground them. I mean, there's, you know, all kinds of ways that I think people can guard their hearts. And I didn't write about it, but that, that's one of them as well.
8: Yes.
2: David French is with us. David's the senior editor at The Dispatch. The Dispatch is a daily email that we get that is really essential to uh, looking at the world, especially how complex things are right now. So, David, what, what about that? I mean, you, like you said, you, you didn't write about it, but you would imagine a worldwide ministry like Hillsong, which is gigantic. I mean, Australia, the home base, that they would not have the resources in there. I mean, early on, when this you know celebrity pastor was out drinking with Justin Bieber, there had to be red flags that were raised. And you think that senior, you know, uh, people who were in senior positions at Hillsong that would have said, "Wait, wait, 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 come on back in and let's talk and let's reconfigure things." I mean, it's just a failure of leadership that goes all the way up to the top.
10: Yeah, and, and we see this a lot. I mean, not to pick on Hillsong, but my goodness, you know, uh, if you go to the Falwell Jr. scandal for Liberty University, I mean, Liberty has a board. There were there were issues where it's quite apparent that Falwell was out of control. But there's a couple of things that happen here, and this is something I explain both on Twitter and in my piece, is that when you have staff and boards that themselves derive that some of their own not just their paycheck, but their prestige, their cultural clout, from their proximity to these celebrities and their proximity, you know, to the quote unquote great man or the famous man. All of their incentive is protective. Because mm-hmm. if the if the if the famous person falls, doesn't that dramatically diminish, perhaps even deprive them of a livelihood, perhaps, if the institution struggles? or it deprives them of their own influence, it brings shame to them. So once we're, it was a, a point of pride where people would look up to them, oh, you you work for so-and-so, that must be
3: mm. you know,
10: amazing. And then all of a sudden it turns into, you work for so-and-so, what were you thinking? And so all of these incentives really move towards um, protecting, protecting the person and enabling often their behavior. You know, one of the things yeah, I think that – Important is that boards members of boards should not drive their own prestige from being on those
5: boards.
10: (laughs) In other words, they should they should be so independently sort of successful and independently uh, independent of you know the the entity that they that they truly are able to hold the entity accountable, um, as opposed to sort of seeing being on a board as like a plum assignment or an honorific that they really covet and value.
3: Right, I, time's short, David, but I'll tell you the thing I thought of when I read your article is that, yeah, the adultery thing is obviously disqualifying with his position as a pastor, right. but every bit is disqualifying is how they treated celebrities in a different way than they treated regular people, whether Front they were at, right, whether they were attendees. I mean that's something Paul specifically speaks against in the New Testament. It's also just common sense, and it's just not being a jag. I mean, it's just he, he yeah. shouldn't have been a pastor.
10: Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole thing where he should let me
3: let me just correct myself. He should have been stopped from being from being in his position a lot earlier than he was.
10: Oh, he should have been checked a long time ago. Absolutely. And and, you know, and a lot of times people will rationalize and convince themselves that of why, you know, looking good, being surrounded by good looking people. Hey, it draws people to us. It shows us that, you know, it's not. You know, it's not weird to be a Christian. It's not strange to be a Christian. No, that's not the way it works. It's not a sales job. You know, it's not like, what can I do to put you in this car today? Yes, exactly. You know, and, and you don't, and, and even when you're, when you're when you are, uh, speaking of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not speaking of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the terms of, look, it's just going to make your life amazing. you know, that's not the, you know, ultimately, we're to take up our cross. I mean, this is about, this is about, you know, a a life that is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ. It's not about a life that is dedicated to uh, self-actualization. Those are not the same things. Sorry, we got to cut
3: you off, David. Time's up. That's David French. His brand-new book is called Divided We Fall, America's Secession Threat and How to Restore Our Nation. Get it now. You can follow him on Twitter. We'll be right back, Monday edition of The Ride Home.
6: Of all the women in the world, you chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever, like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is, and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For
4: when you really want to say, I love you, forever. Visit TrinityJewelers.com. I'm jealous of Santa's special skills. The guy has as many advantages as he has Lego sets. He's hitting over a billion chimneys in a single night, while I can't remember the last time my eyes saw past midnight. He's got the support of his eight magical reindeer, while I'll be leaning on the support of the good people at Amazon. Santa uses his advantages to deliver happiness and joy. And while our faith and family mortgage team is led by my father and not a very shiny nose, we too are lucky to have a special advantage that delivers our version of happiness and joy to you. And that is our direct lender advantage. Our team is part of a company that uses its own money and makes its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. We, our United Faith Mortgage.
11: We pay
7: your appraisal fees up to
10: $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672.
7: Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season.
6: With thousands of locally owned Napa stores across the nation, chances are that wherever you call home, they do too. So whether you stop by a local Napa Auto Parts store, Napa Auto Care Center, or visit Napa online, you can count on Napa know-how.
0: James Brown and Bill Cowher welcoming you back to the Midnight Snack Run. This is one tricky obstacle course. Uh Uh-oh. He's eyeballing a jar of candy. That is tempting right off the start. But he pushes it away. He's approaching a plate of iced cookies. He blows right by him for the apple. Oh, the fridge.
8: Looks like he's headed for the soda. Wait, he jukes left. grabs the water bottle. That's the way you execute a midnight snack run. Stand up to cancer and rally. Want you to reduce your risk for
0: cancer. Go to TakeAHealthyStand.org.
2: We've been streaming the entirety of this show at WordFM.com or the Ride Home with John and Kathy on Facebook. You can see what we look like. Kath looks Great. a little bit like uh, Amelia Earhart. I look like Billy Sunday. That's what we're going. There's a celebrity today. pastor. Yeah. Oh, that's right. A big celebrity pastor. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. That's I awesome.
3: mean, all those guys must have been huge stars.
2: Oh, you all kidding? I'm sure pastors. they were. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean that's a really that's a sad sad story that story about uh, Carl, Lentz? Carl Lentz and, mm-hmm. uh, Hillsong. and the Hillsong Church in New York City man oh man
3: it sure is but le- okay but let me ask you this what you need a pastor who can pastor celebrities because if people come to faith in their celebrities how are you supposed to have a normal conversion faith journey discipleship how do you do that
2: i don't know well look at the problem was i mean in this ruth graham article that the, you know they were taken from the back row and put in the first row i know and that's a leadership that's hard. a failure of I the know. church I, I don't know hey thanks for being with us uh go stealers see you tomorrow god willing
1: the ride home with john and kathy
2: a production of salem media
1: group